0: welcome to the at the hive podcast part of the sb nation network of podcasts on today's episode we recap a wild weekend of hornets buzzer beaters talk about nicholas Batum's return to the lineup the young players he's taking minutes from who's buzzing and who's wasn't and look ahead to the games in the next week let's get started
1: Yeah. Hey, Guns of a cat burglar.
0: Who? What a weekend of Charlotte Hornets basketball before the Raptors had to go and ruin it. But we're not going to talk about that yet. We're going to start. Uh, well, first of all, welcome to the At the Hive Podcast. I'm Jonathan DeLong, like always, and as always, I'm joined by Zach Brown. Zach, how much fun was Friday and Saturday night as a Hornets fan? It was fantastic, except. <laughs> Or the fact that we had to play
1: basketball after that. <laughs> well, How much gonna- blame do you think we take for the Raptors loss because we delayed recording the podcast? Is it a hundred percent, ninety percent? What do you think?
0: Ninety eight percent. Because behind the scenes we were gonna record on Sunday, so this game would this episode would come out with no uh no damper from the Raptors game, but I was lazy and and pushed it back. And then this is what I get is the Hornets lose by 36 points. And it just completely throws a wrench into the, all the excitement about uh, the, the buzzer beaters from young guys. So sorry. Everybody. And you know
1: me, I love throwing a wrench in in, in the excitement <laughs> because we were getting, there was a little bit, a little bit too much swagger and everybody's voices <laughs> About all these buzzer beaters and how fun it is to watch the hornets and hornets are like the cool guys to to watch nowadays you guys just keep watching the suns nba twitter keep talking about the grizzlies keep your hands off the hornets we got the (laughs) hornets corner over here
0: yeah actually get we'll talk about it later but they're actually getting some sort of like national recognition to an extent and the rumblings of like uh are are we going to do this? And then it's just like, oh, yeah, no Raptors. This is a good Ex- team.
1: The, SB Nation, our corporate overlords, uh, <laughs> wrote a piece about how fun it
0: is to watch a Hornet. Stop watching the Hornets.
1: <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> I don't, that's
0: our job. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't mind uh, the, the – I like the attention to an extent, but it's like it does feel like there's a, a point where it's going to be like, hey, guys, remember when we thought the Hornets weren't terrible? now everybody point and laugh because they actually are terrible just like always.
1: Yeah. And they are terrible. They are terrible. They are in a rebuilding process and you're going to get amazing nail biter wins like we saw on Friday and Saturday. And then you're going to get the 40 point loss against the (laughs) uh, uh, reigning champions of the NBA in the Toronto Raptors that we saw on Sunday or Monday. (laughs) I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I don't like to be a damper, which I feel like we are at points in this, but it's just, it's a, it's a matter of being realistic. Like the Hornets are what they're six and eight. Now, uh, five of the six wins, no, four of the six wins have been by one possession. And one of the ones that was not a one possession win was only a six point win because the Warriors fouled for no reason with like two seconds left. Right. So it's basically like down to the wire in five of the six wins and none of them are against good teams. The only good team is the Pacers, but that took overtime and they're missing two of their best players. Right. So, yeah, I, I do think the wins and losses are overstating how good this Hornets team is. And that's not to rain on the parade and that's not to be a Debbie downer. But I think, it's a picture and see that the Hornets are getting outscored by a massive margin over the course of the season, and the wins and losses are eventually going to even out to that. Yeah, and that doesn't mean you can't be excited. That
1: doesn't mean you can't um, love the Devontae Graham buzzer beater. You can't love it when uh, Terry Rozier goes off for 33 points against the Grizzlies, although that was a close loss. It's still fun to watch this team, I get it, but we're in a a generation of the Charlotte Hornets that there's, look, it's going to be a losing season. We're going through a rebuilding process, and what's going to happen is we're catching the people that we win against off guard because we were supposed to be a train wreck. We were supposed to be a a trash fire, and it's not as much of a trash (laughs) fire as people have thought because of the likes of Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington and you know what's going to happen, Jonathan? What? Next year, Next year, we're not going to have those nail-biter w- winners because they're going to be prepared for our P.J. Washingtons, our Miles Bridges, our Devontae Grahams. And you saw this in the iteration of the Kemba Walker-Charlotte Hornets, where we would have a winning season, we would get to the first round of the playoffs that season, and then the next season, they wouldn't be shocked when they would come into Charlotte or host the hornets away and they would know exactly how to play it so that they would double team walker and then someone would have to hit an outside shot and then you have nick batum giving the ball away giving the ball (laughs) away it's just we're in iterations of this thing and you just have to let them grow and i'm excited that people are happy watching them but you have to know where this team is, where this franchise
0: is. Yeah, I do like that people are kind of buying in to the excitement about it. It's just that and I totally agree with you that I, I every game I watch like I hope the Hornets pull this game out. I hope they win this game. No they won't. So there's and there's no, so there's nothing wrong with rooting for wins and stuff like that. They're just there has to be an expectation or a, you know that that's not going to always be the case, especially cuz The Hornets have faced one of, if not the easiest, schedule in the league so far. Like, I was, I'm scrolling ahead, and like, starting in January, they play nine straight games against teams that are currently in the playoffs. Like, that's, that's going to be tough.
1: Yeah, that's a tough run. (laughs) And speaking of expectations, your favorite player came back. Oh, he is Nicholas Batum. (laughs) Your favorite player of all time. And, uh, you know, doing what he does best, kind of nothing. What do you think of uh, Nicholas Batum coming back?
0: He's doing exactly what I think should have been expected of him pretty much since we signed him. We being the Hornets, because I have so much decision-making power. Um, um, he's not shooting, which is fine, because I. there are times he passes up too many open sh- He's not shooting. He passes up open <laughs> shots that he should take, but it's not it feels like it's not killing the offense like it did before when we were expecting him to take shots that Kemba Walker wasn't. Now it's like, "Hey Nick, just like play defense and make good passes." And he's like, "All right, thank you. That's that's all I've been wanting to do." So I thought he's played well in the two games he's been back. Not that, not to say there aren't issues, but I I think he's for himself as an individual, I think he's been fine.
1: I disagree. I think he's been playing really bad. I, I, How do you? If you're a shooting guard and you're, you're not taking the open shots or the shots that the team expects you to try to shoot, that's a problem no matter what. <laughs> I get that he is in the flow of the offense. He's getting the assists that you want. Lord knows we needed somebody to rebound, and he is actually getting those rebounds. <laughs> but you can't put in a drawer that he is a $20 million man, that he is, you know, a, a weight on the salary. And you know me, I'm thinking about, hey, what's the trade value of Nicholas Batum? And if you can't hit the open shots, if you can't hit the shots you're expected to shoot, or even take them, no one is is coming to get you. There is no trade value there. And, you know, we're two games in. It may change, but from what I've seen, if, you know when cody martin does it i'm like oh wow look at it but this is not cody martin this nicholas Batum, who you know we've been saddled with for four years i know you don't like that idea (laughs) of him but that's you know i i I want i want to see him be better and i want to see him take the just take the open shots what do you have to lose at this point
0: so the, the the only issue I have with Nick is one open shots, obviously, because I, I know in the Toronto game in particular, there were times where he caught it and he was wide open and he waited for someone to come at him so he could pass it. And it's mm. like it's a, it's OK to shoot, Nick. Like you can facilitate and shoot. The two aren't mutually exclusive. The only issue I have is I think he's playing too much right now. And I know you probably agree with that.
1: I, I do agree with it. I I know the person that you want to play in replace of him, and I'm not sure. (laughs) Like, if you are,
0: you want Cody Martin to play, right? Well, so -hmm. the version of Nicholas Batum we're getting right now is very, almost the exact same player as Cody Martin. He's like an experienced version of Cody Martin that plays not as hard. You know, you substitute some veteran savvy in favor of less energy. But like looking at their stat lines and stuff, like Nicholas Batum took four shots and he had six rebounds and four assists uh, against the Raptors, and and that's pretty much what Cody Martin does. He just doesn't shoot. He plays good defense. He gets rebounds. He moves the ball. And it's like if you're going to get that from someone, and you're not expecting to win games, you might as well get it from the rookie, just to see what he can grow into.
1: I get your stance on that. I think that. Nicholas Batum is way better than Cody Martin, actually. They're not the same yeah. because you have a small sample size with Cody Martin. You, If you're Borrego, you want to rely on that veteran savvy, that experience that he has. And I think that in the long run, you're going to see a better stat line from Nick Batum than you will from Cody Martin this year for certain. Um,
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I just, it's just the the amount like Cody Martin went down to two minutes and then he didn't get into garbage time against the Raptors while Nick played 29 and 25 minutes in the two games. like he's almost leading the team in minutes these two games since he's been back.
1: And if I am Cupcheck and uh, I'm talking to Borrega, I want him to have the minutes because I want him to show some type of usefulness <laughs> to some team in this league. I mean, you know, if we're thinking about it on that level. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think that Cody Martin has suffered since Nick Batum has come back, but I think you're in store for it for a while.
0: No, I get that. And I, I kind of hope I understand also from Borrego's perspective, he likes having a better not there because Batum for all of his flaws does kind of help things connect better. Like the offense moves a little bit better. The defense seems to be more cohesive. So I understand from a coach's perspective that you like that. And I understand from a front office perspective, you want him to show that he does those things, so somebody might actually want him, or at least be willing to take him without making us pay anything for it. But as a fan, like watching an individual game by game basis, it's like oh, I've I've got enough of this. I know what I know what I'm getting here. I want something new and exciting.
1: I, I can understand that feeling, but but looking at it from a strategic franchise hmm. uh, perspective. You want Nicholas Batum to have some type of value because Cody Martin's contract is not going to bring anything. Nicholas Batum, especially with that one year on it, you know, they can let him go after this year. That's a trade ship if he is at all serviceable.
0: Yeah, but Cody Martin's not the only person who's uh, losing out to minutes right now. Dwayne Bacon uh, sat out with knee swelling in his knee and has not played real like he played in the garbage time he's the Raptors but doesn't got he has not played meaningful minutes since then Uh thoughts yeah do you do you think you owe him money because you've been
1: <laughs> on, on bacon train for so long
0: like like James. he wasn't
1: playing well he wasn't hitting the shot <laughs> he's in there for the offensive to to inject some offensive energy and he hasn't been hitting those shots and if you don't hit the shots you don't get uh playing time I mean, yeah, is that
0: is it just as black as white and white as that? I think that's what it is. Well, first of all, are you asking if I owe him money because I like the front office listened to our us talk about him and we're like, wow, you know what? They're right. He's not very good. Obviously, the scouting <laughs> is definitely the start with the small podcasts. Yeah, and then you go to
1: the play. You know. Going to obviously play
0: the yeah, you gotta you check you check the the podcast of the blogs, you check Twitter just to see if there's anything that slipped through the cracks that you might not have noticed, and then you go from there, but uh for dwayne bacon and we talked about it, we talked about it a good bit he so out uh, of the surface, he offers nothing as a defender, he offers nothing on the boards or nothing as a passer, just flat out, yeah to say he offers
1: nothing as a defender. Gives him a little credit because he's the opposite. He like, he's
0: a minus. <laughs> yeah, other people have to defend his guy. Yeah. So and then and then so that basically leaves scoring, which is important, but he's not doing that well. He's shooting less than thirty five percent from the field, less than twenty eight percent from three, and less than seventy percent from the free throw line. So he's bad at the one thing he's allegedly maybe supposed to be good at. I don't know how you play that. A play. I don't know how you play him like that. You can't play him like that. And
1: again, I, I go back to the beginning of the season when we were talking about the interest in Dwayne Bacon and the expectation of Dwayne Bacon was way too high. Um, this this person is a 12th man on a on a <laughs> team on a mediocre team. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's no, I'm not trying to disparage Dwayne Bacon. I think that there is a, you know, 5% chance that he could become a starter, a reliable starter on a team. But that's great for where Dwayne Bacon is, is in his career. And, you know, we're giving people time that normally would not have time uh, yeah. in, a, in a competitive NBA team.
0: Yeah, and I know that there's some appeal in his skill set because he can create his own shot, allegedly, because he can shoot, and by that I mean he can shoot tough mid-range jump shots, but he's not good enough at that for you to lean on that. And so if, if he's a 12th man, like you said, which I uh, agree with, the you want them to have a complementary skill set. And Dwayne Macon has an alpha skill set, but he doesn't have the talent to play with that alpha skills or that alpha mentality.
1: Sure, and I could totally see three years down the road, him developing some type of defense that would mm-hmm. make him a re- reliable bench player. I don't know if it's going to happen on the Hornets.
0: Yeah, and the the big issue, and the other thing I think that's been a, a problem for him is not so much the, the talent level, cause, which we know you know we're up and down about, but in fact, I don't think he plays the game with the approach that Borrego wants his players to play with. Like He's not a particularly unselfish player he's not a good passer and then defensively it's one thing to be bad at defense but he looks very apathetic on that end like Malik Monk is a bad defender and he gets blown by a lot but he at least seems to try at points even if he does get lost Bacon's just kind of like yeah this isn't I just want to go get some buckets
1: yeah the defense in general on this team Jonathan is <laughs> i I I hate I don't want to make it historical like it's the worst I've seen but it is really really bad on the defensive end and you know the Raptors are the defending champions but they made us look like it was a middle school team they made it look like a middle school basketball team playing an NBA basketball team on the defensive end do you think that there's a a different way to play these players a different lineup that might help the defense I know they've been playing uh Biombo more I don't know if that's your, if, if you're <laughs> bringing in Biombo to solve any type of problem, you're in a bad way. Um, I mean, MKG has gotten a few more minutes, but not very many. Is there, is there a solution here? Or
0: should there be a solution? So, for one, to give credit to Biz, he's actually played relatively, he's played way above my expectations this year. Like I wrote the preview for him this season and was like, yeah, Biz is here for now probably very temporarily and he's like <laughs> <laughs> and he's actually been like a useful rotation player and this uh, like, i think i remember argue... that was
1: the nine nine word preview on biz <laughs> macbiamba
0: right yeah he's, he's here yeah. <laughs> but like you could argue i think that this has been like the best season of his career um not statistically and i can't speak for specifically when he played in toronto and orlando but from watching biz both in his first couple years and then since he's been consistently competent I've seen him play I mean we've seen him twice steal the ball at half court and dribble in for dunks that's that's three times as many as I've seen him do that before or twice as much as I've seen him do that before I mean the Raptors game was probably his best game of the
1: season he was the only plus player for the Hornets on the court 13 points five of seven from the field and he looked like he knew what he was doing in the game
0: versus everyone else on the Hornets. <laughs> it's a big caveat, you know? Literally everyone else, yeah. Oh, Biz is averaging a career in scoring this year, actually. Um, I. But to answer your question about, is there a way to make this defense better? I think the only way this defense is better is if you have a lineup that's like Terry Rozier, Nicholas Batum, Michael Kiguel, Like the, the starting lineup we had in like 2016 with Rozier in place of uh, Kimba. Yeah, but and that you doesn't... slow it all the way down. Yeah, if you basically we go back to Steve take Clifford, 22 ball. seconds
1: of every.
0: Yeah, and I so much point in that. Like I, the offense would also suffer, but it's also like that's not the direction of this team. Like you, you play the vets, and they can be a, a unit, and they understand NBA defense, but that's not helping anything long term. And that's the whole point of the season is to set the team up for long term success. So does that mean that in Borrego's system? That although
1: we're shooting more three-pointers, scoring more points, it is the it is a personnel problem that we don't have a defense? Or do you think that the system
0: doesn't lend itself to good defense? I think it, – well, it's hard to tell. I think yeah. no matter what kind of system we ran, uh, it would be hard to have a good defense with who we have. Just because we're playing so many young players, and young sure. players are always bad at defense, no matter how physically talented they are. And I don't know, because I don't know what Borrego – um, teaches on the defensive end as much as like Clifford because Clifford was more open and there was more like direct quotes about what, what it's hard to say, what the principles are specifically. But it doesn't seem as much like the problems are like, oh, this Miles Bridges can't stay in front of anybody and Cody Zeller's get well, Cody Zeller does get pushed around a bit, but it's not to the extent that people say. It seems more like, oh, this some, somebody was too slow to rotate or a player missed their assignment or... They they didn't help the helper and stuff like that. Like everybody's being a step too slow with their assignments, is particularly when the ball moves around the perimeter, like off passes and driving kicks and stuff like that. So I think it's just a mental thing right. from youth.
1: I I hope you're right. I hope that <laughs> when they evolve when we get different players in here, I'm worried that Barrego's system will never lend to a good defense.
0: Like he just doesn't coach defense well. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, or that the way that you're spreading the court doesn't mm-hmm. lend very well to transition defense and then being able to stop the ball at the half court. And the players that you need to play that spread offense is hard to translate onto the defensive end. And it all changes. So, so if you're the Warriors, you have a generational defensive talent in Draymond. So mm-hmm. if you have a uh defensive talent on a spread offense team, I think you can you can handle it. You know, you it's all right that you have Steph Curry because you have Draymond. There mm-hmm. is no there's not even a light at the end of tunnel defensive player on the Hornets as we're <laughs> talking right now, you know?
0: Yeah. There's potential in a lot of guys, but none of them have really they're not there yet. No. Like we talk about Bridges in his Flashes, he's shown as an on ball defender, but he gets lost just as much as anybody else at rotating and closing out and stuff like that. So I, I'm i optimistic because it seems like Borrego seems like he knows what he's doing. I think because we have the team overachieving with who's on the roster. So I'm hoping that, that that translates to the defensive end too as the talent gets better and as they get more experienced. I, I agree with you. Just keep drinking your kombuchas, keep watching the Phoenix
1: Suns or you know the toronto raptors just stay off my lane cool kids you know what i mean
0: (laughs) the hornets are (laughs) our thing exactly all right all right we got who's buzzing and wasn't and a preview for next week's game coming up right after this ad Welcome back to the At the Hive podcast. It's time for who's buzzing and who wasn't. I'm gonna start. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna start. My first buzzing is I have two. I have a couple candidates. I'm sorry if I steal from you, but I'm gonna go with Malik Monk. Oh, that was my uh, buzzing from last last pod. Yeah, so he's he he's, kept he's it up. really showed out.
1: Yeah, he's, he has.
0: <laughs> and I. Like Malik Monk, when Malik Monk does good things, there's always this like fear that like, well, we've seen this before, but you need to do it more than once in like a three week span. And before Monday night's game against the Raptors, which we're just not going to count because everybody played poorly, uh, Malik Monk played well, has played well for an extended stretch of games. And that's with him struggling to shoot from three. And I never thought I would have that. Never. I never thought I'd say that or we'd be in this position.
1: No, but he's doing the extra things, the things that he never did in his first couple years with the Hornets. I mean, you're talking about being one of the people, few people in, on the team who's been rebounding consistently. And then the assists, finding the open man, he's really been fitting well with the Borrego offense.
0: Yeah, he led the team in rebounds and back-to-back games against the 76ers and the Grizzlies, which I uh, don't think very many people saw that coming.
1: Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's it's a it's a it's a low bar, but it's nice to see <laughs> that he's doing the extra things, especially when, like you said, he's not hitting from the outside as you would want him to.
0: Yeah, so that's I think extra impressive that he's playing well without doing the thing he was supposed to do best. Mm-hmm. Um, who is your first, or who is your buzzing person? Sure,
1: my buzzing candidate is going to be the most obvious candidate because he's just really lit. NBA Twitter on fire. He's really become the person that people talk about. I've seen articles on the ringer about him. Devonte Graham is just having himself a season and it's uh, so fun to see. It's so fun to see how joyous he is on the court when he's playing. Well, you mm-hmm. see little, little baby Kemba moves <laughs> in his game as well. Um, the way Kemba talked about Devante uh, when they played Boston and it's really good to see. I, you know, I think there's going to be a wall sometime in the season that he's going to hit and where he's going to play starting players and he's not going to be able to find the corners he's been able to find. But it's just been fun to watch Avante grow into the player that he's become.
0: How, like, what were your expectations for him coming into the season? Like, how far has he exceeded your expectations? you know me <laughs> i i you could figure that he would not be there's a there's a
1: version of the season that would go he would not be on the team by the end of the season this guy i mean this is an actual uh, rags to riches you know uh rose in the concrete kind of <laughs> player when he was first drafted there was almost no time for him there was almost you know he had to invest in himself to get where he is today and that's why I really like him as a player, especially if you give the contrast to Terry Rozier with the contract that he got and the way the two have been playing, you know, it's unfair to put them in contrast, but you kind of have to because they're both point guards on the same team. And Devonte Graham has just been really lights out and I love his energy. And when you're contrasting it with the Terry Rozier energy, it's just, Two totally different people who approach the same position in different ways.
0: He's he has very quickly become like my favorite player on this team. Um, at media day, he was asked, like, what his goals were for the season. Like, uh, I'm going to play my position well. I want to shoot the ball better and I want to have fun. And I was like, oh, that's that's such a Devontae Graham answer now, seeing like who he's grown into as a player and just like how he handles all of his postgame interviews and stuff. He just seems like a kid out there having fun playing basketball. Like, he's not too and, big for the moment. The moment's not too big for him. None of that stuff. For sure. And when you think about
1: leaders on this team, you have to count Devonte Graham as one of them.
0: Yeah. But great choice. I, was, I, was, I thought about it saying him, but yeah. I know it's the uh, obvious choice, but I mean, you have to pick the person that's obvious when it's this, when the contrast yeah. is this big, you know? He's averaging 18 points and seven assists per game, as a, which is, like, that's ahead of where Kimball Walker was at this point in his career. Just saying, and the and the
1: buzzer beater, and just like (laughs) you said, the happiness and the joy with which he plays—it's fun to. He's one of the reasons why the Hornets have been fun to watch.
0: Are both of our buzzing candidates beating the buzz? Yeah, last couple games. And my other, who's buzzing is just the Hornets in general. We kind of talked about it before. Uh, Everybody's like talking about the Hornets in a national light, and I know you don't like it. Get off uh, my
1: yard, kids!
0: Get (laughs) off my yard apparently nba like they did their top 10 plays of the week and the hornets got number three and number one in that play uh highlight package it's just and people are recognizing what Devonte graham's doing they're recognizing what the hornets are doing and they're recognizing how fun the hornets are and so uh there's some buzz around the hornets
1: thank god for toronto uh putting <laughs> us in our place giving us that little 35 point loss it's uh good uh I like the wins. I like the buzzer beaters. It's good to make sure we don't get too much gravy in our turkey.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, I I understand completely. All right. <laughs> do you have, who do you have for whose? how many people do you have for whose wasn't? Who I just wasn't?
1: got one wasn't, but it's kind of a general wasn't because I'm putting
0: – Okay, what's that?
1: Everybody on the Hornets on my wasn't for the lack of rebounding <laughs> on this team. We Okay, that says problem dead last in the league in rebounding and our defense is not good. And it is compounded by the fact that we can't get rebounds on the defensive end either. (laughs) And teams are not interested in getting offensive rebounds. They're interested in getting back on defense. They're interested in spreading the floor and the Charlotte Hornets. It, it tells the tale that the, that hold on. God, of course I'm going to mess up that Nicholas Batum gets back onto the court and can lead the team in rebounds (laughs) out of nowhere. The big guys there, even the big guys who are performing well seem to have no interest in rebounds. And I need Dennis Rodman to come out of retirement and just play, (laughs) call it four and a half minutes
0: so that I can see some
1: rebounds on this team.
0: The the Hornets are uh reeling reeling in forty seven point seven percent of rebound opportunities this season, both offensively and defensively, which is like you said, dead last in the league. It's just, um, I mean,
1: <laughs> it can't continue. I don't think even if you think about it as like, hey, this is a this is a spread offense. We're not co- we're not concerned about rebounding. You have to at least rebound at a better.
0: <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, Yes. Just yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) I get it. You're not interested in
1: rebounding either. That's fine. I put everybody to sleep. I'm just saying. we need more rebounds.
0: There. I remember I researched this a while ago. Um, because Steve Clifford was a big proponent and getting back on defense and not worry about offensive rebounding. And I think rebounding to a point can be an overrated stat, like running the football in the NFL. But there is. So bad or so good at it, it does matter. Like, if you're in the middle range, it doesn't matter if you're like kind of good or kind of bad. It's all kind of the same. But if you're really, really bad, it does really hinder your team. And that's where the Hornets are at this point.
1: You're against football teams running the football? This isn't even a football podcast. <laughs> and I'm already upset with you about
0: that. Oh, I have. Uh, if you listen to me on Cat Scratch Reader, because I'm on the Keep Sounding podcast, Cat Scratch Reader, and I write stuff. Over there, I'm a big proponent in running the football. Is not that important, but that's this is not the type of place for that. Um, <laughs> anyway, I have my my who wasn't for the Hornets for the last few games has been um, Miles Bridges, who's which it hurts me to say because Miles Bridges, I'm a big Miles Bridges guy, as everybody probably knows at this point. Yeah, he put up a decent final line against the Raptors, but he got a couple buckets in in garbage time. He was over 80 against the Knicks, and he kind of got, he got benched in the second half pretty much like he played like three minutes in the second half, missed a couple shots. And brig was like, all right, you, you, okay, kid, you've had enough of this. Let's put Nick Batum in for the rest of the half. Um, I guess the Pistons, he didn't shoot. Like he took six shots in 25 minutes was a minus 18. He just looks uncomfortable right now. I don't really know how to explain it. Like he looks passive on, when he, he looks passive at points, but then he has times where he's like, I need to be aggressive and he forces the issue too much. And it's kind of like what we saw from him at the beginning of last year, in his rookie year, and I'm I'm hoping it's just a little little slump, and he'll get out of it. I'm sure he will, but the last couple of games haven't been very good to watch for him.
1: Uncomfortable is how I would describe his play. He's not doesn't exactly know where he fits in on yeah. this team, or hasn't for the past couple of games. And I think that if he were to commit to the stat that you don't like at all, rebound, rebound or a, a being a, being a defensive anchor on this team you know and being the explosive in the paint offensive player that we know he can be if he found that kind of corner on this team he could be indispensable but i agree with you his his game has been suffering i think as much as we've talked about pj washington on this podcast i think the introduction of pj washington has really given him pause on where where he belongs on this team and i think that if he figures that out P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges could definitely be the twin towers of the Hornets going forward, but he has to figure out his his the right way to play in the Borrego system.
0: Yeah, I do think Washington's presence has hindered him a little bit. Not that anything against Washington, and obviously Washington is earned no. the right to play, but it's just that Washington's finding some buckets, like he's on dump-off passes and rolling to the basket and stuff that were more for Bridges last year when he played at power forward. And now Bridges is forced to play on the perimeter a little bit more, which I don't think suits his skill set best right now. He can get there. Right now, it fits him best to be like a small ball four, and he's not going to get a lot of minutes there with Washington playing as well as he is. No, but I have faith he can figure it out. Yeah, and I think Washington, as he gets more experience, can play more five. And if he plays more five, that opens up more minutes at Bridges for four and so on and so forth. Um, The other wasn't I have is kind of outdated at this point, but I thought it was really funny at the time. And it's a Dion Waiters for him. He's wasn't because he was buzzing. Did Did you see the Dion Waiters story from like a week ago now? No. What are you talking about the the Dion Waiters got suspended for ten games because he had a panic attack on the team play.
1: Oh, the gummies.
0: <laughs> yeah, the gummies. I just wanted to talk about that because I think that's so funny, especially because it's Dion Waiters. Like I if, mean, what what would you like to say about it? I I <laughs> I just thought know. it was it, I just thought it was funny. I wanted to bring it up. I thought he deserved a shout out. From yeah, category uh, for buzzing. Yeah, and to uh,
1: paraphrase uh, uh, Jalen and Jacoby. Don't get fired, my friend.
0: Don't do it. <laughs> um, I just <laughs> to divert the team plane because you're having a panic attack because you ate some weed gummies allegedly from a teammate. Like That's that's the kind of NBA stories we live for.
1: Oh, for sure. And <laughs> just the Dion Waiters whole drama. And even before that, he was getting in arguments with the coach and wasn't on the same page with the team. You know,
0: he's already Dion Waiters,
1: when he's right, can hmm. be an asset to a team, but he's not right a lot of the time.
0: Deion Waiters has been suspended more times, not just like the number of games, just the amount of suspensions handed to him more than games played this year by two. He's played zero games this year and he's been suspended on two separate occasions. (laughs) That's impressive. Oh man. You think we can trade for him? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by low, by low, candid. I think the Heat would would give away assets to get rid of him at this point. Oh my gosh! All right, looking ahead, the Hornets have two more games on this road trip at Brooklyn, at Washington. Then they come home for one game against Chicago, which is basically another road game because they have to leave right away to go back out to Miami. Um, I guess this looks like a chance for the Hornets to make do, like make people excited again. With Brooklyn, will be without Kyrie Irving to, tonight, Wednesday night. Uh Washington's bad and Chicago's bad. So there's three maybe wins for the Hornets right there. Maybe
1: wins indeed. I like the enthusiasm. I really do. I think we can <laughs> win against the the Wizards as long as we don't let Beal go off. The Nets are going to be uh without two of their really good players. That could possibly be a win. And I should be in at the Hive on Saturday to watch them beat the Bulls for a second time this year. <laughs>
0: I'm looking yeah I so you do you think it's possible that they win all three of those games not that they will but do you think there's like a, a real non-zero possibility that the Hornets go on a three-game win streak again
1: oh for sure I mean these these are this is a perfect opportunity like you were saying to show that that style of offense can overcome the defensive woes on the other side
0: especially with with the level of opponents because the Nets have been even when Kyrie plays and then Kyrie isn't playing and they're not really doing any better. And then the Wizards, Bradley Beale's averaging 30 points a game and the Wizards are three and eight, which shows how bad the rest of the team is around him. Yeah. I will predict that if Beal plays, he'll get 40 points or more. <laughs> <laughs> he'll score 45 and the rest of the Wizards will also score 45 combined. Right. And then, and then the, and then the bulls we've seen the bulls already and the bulls are also a train wreck. Cause I think they have a terrible coach and, their roster is just all sorts of mismatched parts. But we have to watch out for Kobe White, because did you see what Kobe White did? If, uh, I think it was maybe a week ago at, at this point. No, but I saw him how he played against the Hornets the first time, and he played really well. <laughs> he set the franchise record with, I think he made seven three-pointers in the fourth quarter against the Knicks, maybe? Yeah, he scored. He made seven three-pointers in the fourth quarter alone against the Knicks. So uh, he can get hot. And the Bulls have good young players.
1: Like you said, I don't think the game plan is the right game plan. And they're also in the same rebuilding phase as the Hornets as well.
0: Yeah, they're not good. And I, but I thought they would be like, and maybe they'll get there, but I thought they would be one of those teams kind of fighting for the, the worst or the best of the worst and maybe make the eight seed or something like that. Cause Levine has put up all-star numbers. Markinen looked like a potential all-star Wendell Carter is supposed to be good. And then they have other, uh gaffer or not gaffer but like daddy sung and tomas, uh, tomas sataransky and yet they are really bad they shouldn't be this bad they also have a porter like they should not be this bad
1: i agree with you but you know everybody comes in with a plan until they get hit in
0: the face <laughs> but yeah so and then like i said the f- fourth game is at the heat gummy bear that... waiters <laughs> no Dion waiters for that game <laughs> There, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if that's a game where uh, Jimmy Butler sits out for load management or injury management or something like that. But it's too far in advance to say for sure. But what, out of those four games, what do you think the Hornets record is?
1: I'm going to do it. I'm going to say 4-0. and I'm going to oh, say think... surprise <laughs> Miami Heat in Florida. They're not ready for it. they They don't care. It's the weekend, so they went to a bunch of clubs on Saturday and Sunday. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and, I what you mean. And there's I guess you could worry about the the Bulls game because it's a back to back, but I'm not worried about it at all, my friend. We're going 4 <laughs> and 0. We're going to be on the front page of the Ringer and on SB Nation <laughs> and just everybody's going to be on our spot. We're going to start getting tens of thousands of people listening to this podcast. <laughs> Jonathan is going to be the biggest name in press sports in the nation. It's going to be crazy.
0: 4 and 0. What do you think? And you're going to hate all of it oh my god I'm gonna, it's gonna be the worst <laughs> we're gonna get back on the show and you were like the hornets of won four straight and you're gonna be like i this is awful <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well if they would just stay off the grass you know we're really trying to build the grass <laughs> seeding it aerating it stay off my grass <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm gonna I'm go two and two there is no rhyme or reason So when this team wins and loses games, other than when they play a really good team, that get the doors blown off of them. Uh, There are no really good teams on the schedule. Uh, I think they'll probably lose at the heat and then they'll probably drop one of these games, at least one of these games to the nets and the wizards, just because they can't win that many in a row. I don't think they'll get another big win streak. So I'm going to go with two and two and they will be eight and 10 when we reconvene for next week's episode and a doubleheader against the Pistons, which is super fun.
1: <laughs> that's going to be, let me tell you, I can't believe that's not on national television, <laughs> the doubleheader against the, the Pistons. That's fine, hater. I'm saying they're going to go 4-0. I, <laughs> oh, no, I, 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 have, I have faith that we can figure it out, especially because if you're going to have a back-to-back, having it against the Wizards and the Bulls is kind of best-case <laughs> scenario.
0: Yeah, if you're going to pick two teams to put in your back-to-back, they would they would definitely <laughs> be up there. That's it. And then, like I said, real quick, there are a few things less exciting in the NBA than the Detroit Pistons, and I can't imagine anything less exciting than playing the Detroit Pistons. But that's what we're in store for next week. (laughs) Let's do it. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the At The High podcast. Once again, I'm Jonathan, and that's Zach. We will see you guys next week. Peace out.